Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Welcome to Heme Consults for Women of Color in Hematology. I'm your host, Toyasi Anwemena, hematologist, physician, scientist, and educator. Welcome to part three of our series that we have been on for the last three weeks. This is week three, and we're talking about resurrection today. We've been talking about life, death, and resurrection in hematology, and today is about resurrection. I am super pumped about this episode, and I hope that you will be, if not now, at least at the end of the episode. And I want to share as a word of encouragement to you, oh, woman of color in hematology, that you have the words of life. Oh, woman of color in hematology, you do. And why do I know that you have the words of life? I know that you have the words of life because you know what it means to be hurt by words that are not of life. You know what it means for people to call you names, call you things that you're not, or label you labels that don't belong to you. Like, oh, she doesn't have a good fund of knowledge. Oh, she's not really cut out to this work. Oh, I'm not sure she really knows what she's supposed to be doing. You know, you know what that feels like. You know how demoralizing that is. For this reason, you also know what words that affirm you can do. You know when someone says, wow, the way you presented that patient was outstanding. When someone says, wow, look at how you brought out this new piece of information and this piece of learning that we didn't have before. You know what it means to have words of affirmation that bring life to you. And because you do, I want to ask you this week to speak life Speak words of life to people. Yeah, even when it seems like you shouldn't, even when you you want to cuss them out or say something bad, I'm going to encourage you not to. I'm going to encourage you to speak life because you know what? Life begets life. <laughs> and the more life you speak into your environment, choosing the right words, the more life you bring into your environment. And you know what? Your environment is so lucky to have you in it. Because you know what? You don't do that thing that other people do where you're just cutting people down. Or at least I hope you don't. And maybe if you do, this is an opportunity to do something different. This is an opportunity to speak life, Mm -hmm. to speak words of life, words that heal, words that encourage. Because people need that. They do. Maybe go to the spaces where this is needed and you don't even have to go far to find the spaces. You know, there's some people who say, where can I go to find the space where where I can encourage people? You don't even have to ask that question. You know where to go. And I just want to encourage you that every time you find yourself in that space, I ask you to speak good words, words that encourage, words that help, words that heal, words that bind. 
And you know what? I want you to do that for yourself too. I want you to go and find the spaces where people speak words that heal you. People speak words that encourage you. People help you grow without tearing you down. And some of you are asking to see, where am I going to find this space? (laughs) You're going to find the space when you start looking for it. And if you haven't found it, it's because you haven't yet started looking. And I want you to start looking in earnest because these spaces exist. I know because I found them when I needed them. Because of that, I know that they exist for you. And some of you are like, oh, no, Toyosa, you don't know my institution. I don't know your institution. You're right. But I do know that there are other institutions at which there are other women of color in hematology, and they will speak words of life to you. You got to find them. And if somehow you can't find me, I will speak words of life to you. That's what I do. You'll find Laura. You'll find Betty. You'll find Aisha. You'll find Elna. So many, so many of these women of color in hematology. You'll find Patricia. You'll find Marissa. You'll find LaDonna. You'll find Wanda. (laughs) These are all women of color in hematology. Some of them outside of hematology, but by virtue of supporting a woman in hematology, they, they actually have honorary membership into becoming women of color in hematology. I would just say that find the spaces where people speak life to you and receive those words of life because they bring you life. (laughs) They do. And that allows you sometimes to enter into that space. Yes, that deep valley of the dark shadow of death. It allows you to enter those spaces and escape unscathed. I would encourage you to first speak life and then bathe yourself in words of life. Yeah. Yeah, be a beacon of life, not light. I didn't say light. I said life. (laughs) Okay, maybe the right word is not beacon. I don't know. But whatever you do, just spread words, words of life. And you know why this is important? Because words are creative. Words create. And so I want you to create the life around you that you want to see. All right, let's talk about this episode. This episode is about resurrection. (laughs) I told you last week about my story of death. And so this week is the story of resurrection. And the story I want to share with you goes back to the story from last week. If you don't recall the story, you'll have to go back to last week's episode to check it out. But in that episode, I talked about a situation at work in which there was like a terrible betrayal in a space that I really cared about. And in a space where I thought I had people who cared about me and were my friends, I really did think they were my friends. And had I known they were really my enemies, I would have behaved differently, but but they were not my friends. I found that out the hard way. And I really was in a place at the end where I was just broken and working to work through healing. And in my brokenness, I actually... I had quit. You know, you say sometimes like you're getting ready to quit. Mm -mm. The moment that happened to me, I quit. I I told you it wasn't my heart that was broken. I was, I was broken. And so I definitely, I decided that I was quitting that space and I applied for jobs. I finally settled on the one that I was, I was going to take and I negotiated the contract and, and it was great. It was a great place. There were people who cared about me. There were mentors I already knew there. I just, I was going, I was gone. I was done. I was done with an environment that would treat me so badly. I was just done. (laughs) I was done. 
anyway, as part of being done, I, you know, started to say my goodbyes because you're done, you know, it's a matter of time before you leave. And I started to, I started to want to say my goodbyes. And actually just before I signed the contract, I mean, we'd negotiated all the way through. So this wasn't like, I thought maybe I I was done and I'd chosen the job. I was ready to go. And just before I signed the contract, I thought, wait a minute, I should tell my pastor about this. <laughs> so Pastor Bissy, who's my pastor, has been my pastor for 20, 20 years about. And, and I just felt that it would be important to tell him I was leaving church. I mean, 20 years is a big investment of time. And I just wanted to share with him that I was leaving before I left, before I signed the contract, before it was like final. So anyway, I set up a meeting with him and I was like, hey, just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be leaving. We're all going to be leaving. It's not just me here. It's the whole family. <laughs> We're going to be leaving because I'm taking this new job. And he's like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> and we start talking. And we start talking. And he's like, hmm, can we pray about this and see what the Lord wants us to do? And I was like, oh, no, mm, 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 mm. this is not one of those things I pray about. I'm done. <laughs> I was just ready. It's like, mm -mm. no, mm, I don't. I, no, no, it's not a praise for praying. I'm done. Uh, but then he said, <laughs> he said, you know what? I want you to talk to my wife. I want you to talk to my wife because she's in academia. And I think I think she'll have I, I think she has something to tell you. So he's signing up his wife to talk to me and he doesn't know yet that she, at, at least from my perspective, I'm like, you don't know yet that she has anything to say to me that's relevant, but I'm, I'm going to meet her. I'm going to meet her. So, you know, this contract I'm about to sign is on hold because somehow this conversation I need to have before I sign the contract. So I set up a breakfast meeting with, <laughs> with his wife, who at the time was Dean of the College of Pharmacy. And so I sat with her and I told her my story and, and there's a lot to the story that I haven't shared, but I told her the story and we shared many things in that conversation. But here's a piece I want to, I want to share that really resonated with me. She said, you know, Toyosi in life, there are snakes, there are snakes, the higher you go, the bigger and fatter and more venomous these snakes are. And the key to where you're going lies beyond these snakes. And if you don't stand and do battle now with the snake you see before you, you're going to need to do this battle again. And you can choose whether you're going to do the battle now or you're going to go somewhere else and do the battle later. You can choose to do it now or defer. But I need you to know that in order for you to get where you're going, you got to do that battle. That was really, that was changed. That changed, that, that changed everything for me. Because all of a sudden, I had to go back and start thinking about it. Because up until that moment, all I could think about was my hurt, my loss, my brokenness, and all the things that I mourned in that space that I had lost or felt like I had lost. And there she was telling me that, no, there was actually something for me beyond this thing. But until I stood and fought the battle, I couldn't get there. And I, it, it, Brought, it gave me, in a sense, it fra re reframed my situation. Up until this point, my framing had been loss and disaster and betrayal and brokenness. And all of a sudden, she was reframing it as the battle you got to stand and fight. <laughs> mm, that changed my perspective. It was an energizing perspective because I had to go back and now ask the question, what battle is this? What battle am I fighting? And I really started to think about the space that I occupy in that position. I was like, I love the research I'm doing. And my research is just about to blossom. 
And I know, like, I can feel it. There are things coming out of this space that are just about to explode. I, I kind of had the sense that something important was happening in the space of my research. I wasn't having these thoughts before. Before I was just like, mm -mm -mm, I can't be here. People are trying to kill me. I can't do this. But then all of a sudden I started thinking about what are all the things that I actually enjoy about this space? What are the things I'm working on that I love? And I began to recognize that there was just growth happening in my research. There were things I had started to expand that I loved. And you know what? I didn't want to give them up. I didn't want to go start over in a new space. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to fight for what I had, for the pieces I loved, not for the pieces I didn't love. I want to let go of the pieces I didn't love. But I didn't want, in letting go of the pieces I didn't love, to let go of everything. And so it reframed it for me into a battle that needed to be fought, a life-defining battle. And so I fought that battle. I surely did. I had help. <laughs> oh, I had help. We, uh, we, we fought that battle. I think that's all I'm going to say. I didn't fight it alone. I had people who came out of the woodworks to help me fight this battle. The moment I said I was going to fight, generals showed up. And the cavalry showed up and the horsemen showed up and the tanks showed up and the artillery showed up. <laughs> oh, I'm proud to say that we fought a battle and won. Yep. And how do I know that it was a win? Because I love the outcome and I'm still celebrating the outcome until tomorrow. I know I'm giving you all the generic pieces of this story. When we meet in person, I can share a little bit more detail, but I, it's not something I want to do over the airwaves. But it was definitely a battle worth fighting. It surely was. And I came out on the other side and I, I had a chance to have a change of mind. I had a chance to say, who am I? And this was on the other side of that battle. The first part was the death and the brokenness and the betrayal. And then the other part was now like, who am I? Who am I after this thing has happened to me? And here are the pieces here that it, and actually what, what came from that is what I'm doing now and the work that I celebrate. So when I start this podcast, I tell you I'm a hematologist, I am a physician scientist, and I'm an educator. Those three words came out for me from this space because before then I was just whoever they called me, whatever they said I was junior faculty or hematologist doing some work in cardiology or I don't know what names they called me. Like there were many names. Poor performer was one of those. Many names came out of that space. As long as other people were dictating what my name should be, they were not names that I accepted. This is why I was alluding at the beginning to the importance of these words that you were speaking. But after this whole process, after this death and this battle that I fought, was me thinking about who am I now? What's my identity? I had had this space as my identity for so long. It was like, but who am I? Who am I now that I'm not part of this space? Now that I fought, fought this battle and won, who am I? And that brings me to the three lessons that I want to bring out of this space. Lesson number one is that there are some battles that you got to fight. And the reason you got to fight these battles that until you fight these battles, you don't get to move forward. There's a battle you fight so you don't have to fight again. <laughs> and the first thing you got to do is to stop running. Stop running. Yeah, that may be the first lesson. 
I had to stop running. I was running. I was running scared. At the first time that I met with my pastor, I was already, actually, I finished running. I'd almost crossed the finish line. Like if I hadn't met with him and said, hey, I'm leaving. And he was like, no, 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 you talk to this woman first. Because she's had some challenges that I'm, I'm seeing. I, I feel like my, my wife has had the same challenges that you've had. She's in a totally different field. He was like, you got to talk to her. You can't make this decision until you talk to her. And I'm glad I did. But the first step I had to take was to stop running. <laughs> I stopped running. And then I turn around and I face the battle. As soon as I finally figured out that, you know what? I wasn't the victim. I was, I was the one who was going into battle, right? Like all of a sudden it changed my perspective and I stood to fight this battle. And as I stood to fight it, the help came. People stood up for me. There was a whole army that stood behind me to fight this battle that I fought. And you know what? The battle does never really stop. You'll always be fighting for the things you believe in. There are some battles that are defining battles. And that's why you can't fight them alone. But you got to stop running and get to the point where you decide that it's time not to run, but it's time to stand and fight. And after you fight this battle and win, because you have everybody everybody coming to root for you and you're really fighting a fight of justice. You're really fighting a fight of righteousness. <laughs> At least I thought I was. But this battle that you're fighting, you will win. Because what you're fighting for is these ideas that you have in hematology that will change lives. I'm still in the process of this work, guys. I'm changing lives as I'm working but it's an ongoing process. We'll look back on this career 20, 30 years from now and see all the lives that have changed. And so the thing you're fighting for is worth fighting for. And to be honest, the universe is on your side. If you would just stop running, stand and fight and look around and see who's on your side, who's your army and help them fight for you. <laughs> and then at the end of that, you get to decide what is your resurrection body going to look like? Yeah. <laughs> now that you died, you stood up, you fought the fight. You get to decide. As I decided, I decided that I'm a hematologist, physician, scientist, and educator. These were not titles I had before this death and resurrection thing. But on the other side of the battle, I know, I know that in hematology, those are my identities. I told you, you don't have just one identity. You have many. Those are the identities that I resonate with. And they all came out of the space. And so when I'm thinking about these, kind of the call to action, I think my first call to action, and this is different from what I wrote down. My first call to action is that there is life after death. Absolutely is. But only if you decide that there will be. And so. I think I'm asking you to recognize that and to stop running. Stop running and reframe this as the fight of your life. Your ideas are worth fighting for. Your career is worth fighting for. Don't quit. I was quitting this thing that I'd been working on, that I was building because other people had just messed up the space, I thought. And this fight allowed me to just own my power and see my tribe. And fight and fight the good fight. 
So I'm asking you also to own it and, and fight the fight because you're not just fighting for you. This is why it's a battle that you fight once. You never have to fight this battle again in this space because you're fighting not just for you. You're fighting for your mentees. You're fighting for your tribe. You're fighting for the people who resonate with you. You're fighting for the people whose lives you're going to change. And so it's worth the fight. And then after you fight and win, you get to choose. In fact, to be honest, you've always had the choice. But because it's such a defining fight of your life, it's a great space to ask the question, what do I want to be? What do, I, what do I want to become? And see, you never have to go back to the space where you died. I don't, I don't go back to the space where I died. You got to go back to the previous episode if you don't understand what that means. You get to live in a new space with a new body, a new attitude, a new mindset. <sighs> and I invite you into that space. As you go forth into your week, I hope that you celebrate, number one, who you are. Celebrate the life that is in you, the life that is in you that you're going to share this week with people by just blessing them with your words. I wish you the courage to recognize when it's time to do battle, to stand and fight until the battle is won. And then I invite you to enjoy your new resurrection body. <laughs> yes. Yes. Enjoy who you are becoming because it's phenomenal. And I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see you become it. I can't wait to hear about it because the things you are doing are not happening in secret. <laughs> All right. Go forward. Enjoy this week. Continue the conversation with us online at coagcoach.com. And I'll see you next time. Take care.